Amen. Amen. Good, man. Good to see you. Love you. See, that's my staff over there, right there. That's my staff. Oh, man. Hey, uh, did I call you President Hagen? No, you know, we, before he was president, he was just my friend Scott, okay? And uh, preached at his church. And uh, with he and Karen, my wife and I went out there. And uh, so it was a joy. When I heard that he was the new president, I found out kind of like covertly, uh, I, didn't, I wasn't digging, and I said, hey, now that I know, can I call him, and can I talk to him? And uh, the board gave me uh, permission to talk to him, and I said, I, we just want you to make this school great. I want you to, we want you to build on this, we want you to take it to the next level, bring your excitement, your enthusiasm, and I said, I think we could have a, a run together. I said, I feel like, you know, you're young, I'm young. I said, let's claim young together, you know, a, a run together, and uh, we were thrilled when they became the, the president and, and first lady of the school. And if you love your president and first lady, can you show honor to them? We love them. We love having you here. Yes. Becca leaned over and she's like, it's like the students are his family. Can you feel it? It's just like, it's like you're giving everybody a hug. So we feel it. And uh, I just, I got a couple of preliminaries um, to get out of the way. Um, To the worship team, great job leading worship. We are blessed and honored every week when you lead worship at our church. And uh, I told him, I don't want you to be singers. I want you to be worship leaders. I want you to lead us into the presence of God. I mean, so much can be done in a moment in the presence of God. And, and we, it's not just a time to sing and get things going until we get to the word. They're going to have a time of worship. And I love that their heart is to worship Jesus and uh, keep staying close to him and draw us with, with you into his presence. Um, to my family that's here, uh, my wife is here. She just had knee surgery and she's doing great. Uh, my wife, Becca, and our oldest son, Connor, and our youngest son, Logan. Can you just stand? You don't have to clap for them, but I just want you to know who they are. I give a little context. You can, but it's my family. Logan's wife, Michaela, is not here. She's in school, and, uh, but he also heads up our 20-plus, if you're interested in that. Uh, you could go, be a part of our, our ministry for uh, people 30 and under, and we just have a, he has a great opportunity to run in that. Um, Couple quick things. I hit three quick things, and then I'll jump into what I want to teach on today. Um, we, I, I would love for you to pray for this for our church this weekend. Um, we're trying to finish out a, a goal of raising six million dollars above and beyond our tithe in one year. We set a goal to raise above and beyond what people are tithing six million dollars. We've never done five million before. Um, and you say, those are big numbers. They are. We do a thing called Kingdom Builders to advance the uh, cause of Christ around the world and in local and then future generations. So we make our commitment to North Central to help uh, make a pledge every year at Partners. We invest in our internship, our leadership program. That's part of it. But we raise, we're raising $6 million and um, it's our biggest goal ever. And so it's our miracle offering. And so I'd just like for you guys to pray about it. We've never done anything this big. It's our it's, it's a giant number. It's blowing me away. It's a level of generosity I never thought was attainable. And uh, I, I just want to tell you to dream bigger. This is why I want to share this with you. Dream bigger, pray for us, and dream bigger. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, you're dreaming too small. 
Really, you're dreaming way too small. Uh, I, my dream for River Valley was get to 1,000. That was it. And now it's, it's in the thousands and thousands. I mean, it's blowing me away. I, I was like, maybe we could raise a couple hundred thousand dollars over and above tithe. And then it turned into millions and millions. Now our goal is $10 million. We thought about sending out 100 missionaries from our church. And now we've raised the goal to 500 missionaries just from our body. I'm just telling you, dream bigger. Dream bigger. Keep dreaming bigger. And people say, well, what if you don't hit the goal? Every time I've said to the church, like, we're going to try to raise $5 million, okay? And then we raised 4.3, and everybody's like, oh. I'm like, no, we did 4.3. Like, that's pretty amazing, you know? And then the next year, I was like, $5 million, and we did 4.45. I was like, okay, but we did 4. And then it was like 4.8. And then finally, I, I got tired of breaking 5 million, so I said, forget 5 million. We're going for 6 million. All right, so you just, you just celebrate what you have and just go for it. I'd rather set a goal and get close to the goal than not set a goal that was high enough. And I think that this is, I, I don't know what theology this is, but I think God looks down and goes, hey, they're really trying hard. <laughs> that wasn't our plan, but let's go. They've got some faith, you know? So just why not live in that world? It's way more fun. It's way more fun. Dream bigger. Be open to every opportunity that God has. Um, two other things I want to tell you. Um, God gave me this in, in, in my devotions yesterday, and it's going to be a sermon, and if I'd have had time, I would have preached it, I would have developed it and preached it today, but I just feel like it's so fresh, it's bubbling up, I got to share it with you. I felt so strong yesterday when I was spending my time with the Lord that he said, don't you dare past tense me, and I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, don't you dare past tense me, don't you dare pray like I'm past tense, and then I turned to Revelation 1.8, and, and I had had Revelation 1.8 in my mind. I am the Alpha and Omega, and, and he who was and is and is to come, and I put it in chronological order, and then the Lord brought me to Revelation 1.8 and said, read that. I am the Alpha and Omega, the God who is, and the God who was, and the God who is to come. I'm the is. And I felt like he just was saying to me, don't you dare past tense me. You keep me in the present tense right now. I'm not historical Jesus. I'm not I did it that day Jesus. I'm not someday heaven Jesus. I'm right now on the right hand of God the Father interceding for you for right now miracles, right now happenings, right now breakthroughs, okay? So I just want you to grab that because it ripped me apart and I'm gonna preach that in a couple of months, all right? But it's, it's just... I want, and, and even as, as Karen was pre praying, I just had that, that thought, like she's praying to a right now Jesus. God forgive us in our churches if we pray in a, in a past tense feel. Well, Lord, it's great to be here today and whatever you wanna do. You know what I'm saying? God help us if, that, if that's the way we go to our devotions and we're not going there fresh into the word of God, like Holy Spirit, what do you wanna download to me today? What do you have for me? You could break in right now. We could have a miracle today. We could have a breakthrough right now. Uh, somebody could be baptized in the Holy Spirit today. I mean, it's not like a, a was thing. It's a now. I just, maybe that was just for me, but I just feel like sometimes churches get into past tensing Jesus and future, to, you know, like he's coming, he was, we're struggling, okay? That's the, uh, we're in, he's right now, all right? So, and then the last thing I wanna say before I dig into this uh, teaching, I just want to just proclaim this, that uh, me, our church, our staff, 
everyone in our church, we love every church around, okay? If you are preaching the name of Jesus, we love you, okay? There's something about being the biggest church around that there's a pressure that's there and people apply motive and they apply things to you that isn't your heart. It isn't your heart. And our heart is to do all we can with the talents that God has given to us and run as fast as we can. But we love every church. I forbid our staff to speak bad about any other church. We, we are life-giving. We are positive. We want to give resources away. I, if you meet in a coffee shop, we love you. If you are traditional hymn singers, we love you. If you are Gaither, don't understand you, but we love you, okay? We love you, okay? We love the church, and I just want you to know, whatever church you're a part of, if that's where God wants you to be, that you're in the right spot. You are, whether it's little or big or single-site or multi-site or what, what just, I want you to hear this. We love you, and, and we were challenged the other day. I said, I want us to be the best in everything, and then I stopped. And I said, no, I don't want us to be the best. I want us to be the leader because the leader is followed. The best is, is busted down. Like you got to go, oh, look at him. I said, I want us to lead the way so other people can follow. And I said to myself, I would just want, bring as many people as you can along with you on this journey. So I just wanted to hear this from me. We love you. I speak good about your pastors. I speak good about you. I want you to fulfill your destiny. I, 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 our church loves you, loves North Central, and uh, we are about building his kingdom. On, um, I'll just jump ahead to the, the last line in my teaching because I want to share it right now. Um, your moment is for a season, but his moment is forever. Our moment is for a season, his moment. It is all about his moment. It is all about his glory. It is all about his honor. Scott and I were in the, in the conference room and you know, President Hagen, his, his picture is right there. It's a, it's a good looking picture if it, if it was for a funeral or something. You know, I mean, it was a good, you know, it was, it was, he was saying that, he, he said that. He goes, look at me, I'm just so stoic. You know, and he's so much more fun than that. But he said, my goal is to be on that wall. And he said, because that wall over there is past presidents. He's like, I want to be on this wall and have God use me to make a difference. See, his moment is for a season. Even if he has a long run here, there's, I believe there were six other pictures there of presidents that were on that wall. And someday we're all moving to the other wall. We are all moving to the other wall, okay? So don't make it about you, make it about him. Set people up for the win, invest in them, bless, give away resources, give away great ideas, and let's make sure that his moment is paramount, that his moment continues on and on and on, and that our moment is just, we get the assist. We are the assist leader. We, we throw Jesus the ball, we give him the glory, we point to him and say, I threw it to you so you could, you could be glorified. That's the way I wanna live. That's the way I pray we live. And I just, I, I bless you. I, I, we love every single place that you are ministering and making a difference in this city, all right? I wanna pray over that. Lord, let your moment be great. Let your moment be forever. 
Let us accept that our moments are short, they're fleeting, they come and go. But Lord, may our moments build up for your moment. May they just point and bring glory and honor to your name and may we build your church, your kingdom. If they forget our name, if they forget our name, that's fine. May they never forget the name of Jesus. May they never forget the name of Jesus. If they don't know who it was that talked to them on the street that made a difference, may they remember it was in the name of Jesus. It was in the name of Jesus. Lord, that's our, our joy. Our privilege is to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. As I was praying, I just got a thought in my mind of, um, just got an impression in my mind from the Holy Spirit about um, being in, in, well, I was in Russia and in France, different places where I went into palaces and I went into the king's chamber. And as I was praying there, I just had God just remind me, he's king, we didn't elect him. You know, he's king. He's, and when you go, if you ever have the chance to go to a palace or a castle, just go and have a moment with God walking into the king's chambers. If you ever get a chance to go to uh, the Hermitage or Versailles or something like, and you get a chance to just go in and you walk in there and you'll see how regal it was for an earthly king. And then just get a picture of king of kings. It's all about the king. It's all about the king. Can I just chase that rabbit for a second? I got a friend that works for the crown prince in Dubai. Um, in United Arab Emirates, and he takes pictures for him. I say friend, he's more of an acquaintance, all right? And uh, he said every time he takes a picture, the king claims credit for the picture because he serves the king. And so when it shows up in the government, this amazing picture, he gets no credit even though he took the picture. The king gets all the credit. And I was like, does that bother you? And he goes, no, because it's all about the king. It's all, I serve the king. Who cares if I get the credit? I did it and the king delighted in it and he posted it and, it, and, and he got the glory. And I was like, man, I'm so selfish. I'm all about like, did, that, did, you, did you like my post? Did you, did you like it? Did you, uh, did you, did, I did that. That was my idea. I gave that line. You know what I mean? We're so selfish. All right. You're like, is this just confession time? Maybe. All right. I will respect the time, and I will do this super fast. I, I love that we're multi-site and we have time limits. Um, I will say this, just because I've got the pulpit and I can say it. Um, when you leave the service, try to stay as long as you can in the service for the speaker. I'm just going to say, it, one of the things that as a, you're preaching, your gut's out, and all of a sudden people just start, leave, leave, leave. And if you hit that crash bar on the door, do it very quietly. Try not to distract anybody. Uh, give as much res respect as you can to the speaker and uh, stay as long as you can and, and grab as much as you can. And then the last thing I'll say, boy, I'll get there eventually. Uh, take advantage of every altar call. Take advantage of every altar call. If there's one that even remotely appeals to you, take it. Yeah. Take it. You're like, I'm kind of in the 10% zone. Take it. <laughs> Just take it. Just let God do amazing things right here. You will never get another opportunity like you will here to have altar time. You just won't. So take advantage of it. If Again, just roll with it. Get to the altar. All right. I want to talk to you about striving versus seizing. And I don't have enough time. This is like 30, 40 minutes I could do on this. Um, I want to talk to you about the difference between striving for something that's not yours, trying to make a name for yourself, and seizing the opportunity that comes to you. Because it's a problem today. 
We are strivers, we are all strivers. Our culture is full of striving. Everything about our smartphone, everything about social media is look at me, like me, look at how much I did, look at how much I, I, I spoke to in this. How many know that you take pictures of the best angle of anything, whether it's yourself or the crowd? Like you could have 13 people in the crowd and you will get behind the biggest clump and take an upshot so that it looks like you were speaking to hundreds, you know what I'm saying? It's like my life group was packed. No, there were nobody on that side of the room. You know, you just, you just try to make it as good as you can. You know, you, that's the way we are. We are strivers. And there's a difference between striving and seizing because God is gonna put opportunities in front of you and part of the struggle with what's going on is, is he wants you to grab some opportunities and it feels like you're striving. And being humble as a follower of Jesus Christ is like, always a conflict between should I grab that or should I not grab that? What should I do? And so I'm going to just point out a few things and then you can take this from whatever you want. But um, striving is all over the Bible. It's all over the Bible. If you look at the disciples, when they're talking to Jesus, when you look at them in Mark chapter 10, it says James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to and they're like, hey, Lord, could you do whatever we ask of you, and he's like, well, you sure, what do, what, do, what do you ask it? And they're like, we just wanna know if one can be on the right, one can be on the left. Matter of fact, I believe Matthew talks about it, and he says their mom did it. He was probably covering for the boys. He was probably just covering for them that you know they were really ambitious, and he tried to make it look like mom was ambitious. But anyways, so they're like, can we, can we right side, left side? He goes, can you drink the cup that I'm gonna drink? Do you know the cost of leadership? Do you know what you're asking for, for the platform that you're trying to grab? And they go, yeah, we do. We, we can drink it with you. And he's like, well, you're gonna drink it someday. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna pay the price. Uh, but he says, but to give the right hand and the left hand, that's not mine. That's pre been predetermined by my father. Now, a couple things. He doesn't say, how dare you want a place of honor? How dare you want a place of leadership? He goes, yeah, you're right. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have uh, some challenges. You're gonna, he doesn't rebuke them. There's an ambition that's there that's good but there's a desire for preeminence that's bad. And it's, a con it's like a struggle. He's like, I love, Paul talks about if anyone desires the office of, of overseer, it's a good thing. But then we have ambition, like don't think more highly of yourself. How many of there's a tension? Striving versus seizing. Am I striving or seizing? And I mean, there's all sorts of strivers in the, in the Bible. Absalom was a striver. He's like, I wanna be king. And he, and he has a fake coronation. We have Joseph, he's striving. Someday you're all gonna bow down to me. But how many know it was part of God's plan, but he was out of order, wrong time, striving, seizing. When, when is it the opportunity? David. David's like a faced with Goliath and he's like, is there not a cause? Let's, let's take out the giant. And what do his brothers do? You're trying to make a name for yourself, you little striver. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to stand up for God. So there's a tension here between striving and seizing. And, and I'll give you the reference in it, but it's 2 Samuel 18. There's a guy by the name of Ahamaz and he's the biggest striver. I don't have time to go into the whole story, but Absalom, David's son, has died, and Joab has to send the word back that Absalom has, has died, and he knows it's going to devastate David. He knows it's going to devastate him, and so Absalom's, or Joab says um, to a Cushite, he says, hey, servant guy, you go run back and tell David that Absalom is dead. 
And Ahamaz is like, hey, I want to run. It's my day. It's my day. It's my opportunity to have a moment. I'm a good runner. And Joab is like, you don't want to bring this message. And he's like, no, I want to run. You're holding me back. You know I got talent and you're holding me back. Now, I'll tell you this. I guarantee you that if you're serving in an area of ministry, you've had that thought. You've thought, I'm serving. They got me setting up chairs. They are holding me back. I got messages. (laughs) My floor loved it when I preached it to them. (laughs) Three people got saved. You know what I mean? You're like, you got, so you think, you're holding me back. And and so he's just like you. You're just like him. He's like, no, you're holding me back. I can run. And finally, Job's like, no, you you, you don't want this. You really don't want this. He's like, I want to run. And then he's like, go ahead, run. Tell him the battle was going good. He gives him a worthless message. He goes running towards David. There's two runners. Anyways, the the text tells us in 2 Samuel, uh, he says, I see that guy running. Is that Ahimaaz? He's a good guy. He's a good guy. And he gets there and he gets to David. It's like, the battle is going good. And David's like, that's it? That's it? If you're striving, here's a great, great test for you. Do you really have a message to tell? Because Ahamaz was striving and he had no message. He gets there. It's great. Battle's great. That's it? Sometimes you want a platform that you don't have a message for. You're like, I w- they should let me preach in chapel. Really? You know, get a few more wounds and then we'll call you up here, all right? You know, go through a few more battles. I'm just saying, you just don't have a message. You can't stay there because there's nothing. And then the next guy comes along and says, Absalom's dead. David just lamented. Now, what, what Ahimaaz didn't realize, his authority was protecting him. He's like, you don't want that platform. You don't want that message. You don't want that to be your defining moment. You want to wait for a better message. You want to wait for a better message. And so I want to tell you, those in authority over you many times are protecting you when they're holding you away from your moment and you're still setting up chairs and you're still just opening in with prayer and you're not taking the lead on this. They're actually protecting you. And you're going to have to live within that struggle of striving versus seizing. Now, when the opportunity gets there and you get the opportunity to seize, Here's, here's how you'll know that it's time. Many times mentors will help you to know that it's time for you to seize your opportunity. They will push you. They will push you. I'll share, when I was meeting with Leith Anderson, he's the president of NAE. It was years ago, I was younger, and I'd come into his room, come into his office, and I'd meet, we'd have mentoring meetings, and finally he said, Rob, grab the opportunities in front of you. He's like, they're right there, they're obvious. Stop waiting, grab them, go, you deserve, Go, take it, it's the time. And, and you know what that was? That was like fire, like gas to the fire. But it was an older voice that had experience that was telling me it was time. Ask your older elders and your leaders, is it my time? And if they say it's not yet, stay faithful. But when they give you the green light, go for it. Go for it. I'll give you another th- quick thought. If you know you're striving versus seizing, when you're striving, you speak out. When you're seizing, you speak up. What's the difference? When you speak out, you're like, this is a problem. Somebody needs to fix it. This is no good around here. That's striving. I got the answers. I can fix it. Speaking out is, somebody needs to take care of this. What do we need to do? Let's fix it. Here's, here's a couple solutions. You see what I'm saying? Speaking out and, or versus speaking up, speaking up to it. 
I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle whether you're going to be able to say, God, am I striving or am I seizing? But I want to tell you this. God knows where you live, and you need to listen to the Spirit. And I'll close with this thought. This has illustrated to me. I, I guess I could say I'm preaching to myself. I was a big striver. I really was. I was a striver. I was like, how come they get it? How come they get it? How come they didn't, how come they didn't get it? How come I stayed faithful in the little, 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 and all this? And God just opened up an opportunity. He said, you know what? I know where you live. I know what you've been doing. Listen to my voice. Stay faithful, and I'll bring the opportunity to you. Just stay faithful. And I'll give you a confession. I was at Hillsong Conference. I was at Hillsong Conference with my wife, and we were sitting in the section. You know, there's probably 200 seats. It's kind of a little VIP section because we traveled from America. And I noticed, man, they had me back in the back rows by the missionaries. And I was like, man, look, there's, you know, Judah and there's Carl and Louis Giglio and Stephen Furtick. And I'm like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten rows behind them, you know. Like, I'm back here by the missionaries. Right? <laughs> who, who did this seating chart? You know, this is not good, you know. And, and I got a bad attitude. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. I cannot believe I'm back here. And God's like, who are you here for, you or me, you little striver? You know? And, and I just, I was like, forgive me. I'm here for you. I'm here for you. And, I, and he's like, yeah, now get to know all the missionaries around you. And I got to know them, and it was very expensive because I'm supporting that one and that one and that one. I'm supporting a whole bunch of them, you know? I'm supporting a whole bunch. Is that me or somebody else? Is that me? I, okay, we'll keep going. All right. So, Anyways, I get to know all the missionaries, and I'm back there like, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. I'm here for you and your glory. And then we're going to breakout session, and Joel Abel, the pastor of the, really the, the Australia campuses, comes up to me and goes, hey, I was just praying, and I'm supposed to have somebody uh, do a breakout session with Brian Houston in front of like a 1,000 pastors. And he said, God said I'm supposed to pick you to do a Q&A with Pastor Brian in front. Is that, are you, do you, are you good with that? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit was like, see, I know where you live. I know what row you're on. And I was like, because think about it, that was random. That was random, total random. Let me, is there a handheld? Is that me? I'm just trying to think. I'll take this. It was totally random. And then we get into the room, and Pastor Brian comes up to me, and he goes, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do Q&A with you. I want you to teach in front of all. And the front row was Brian Houston, Stephen Furtick, Louis Giglio, Carl Lenz, Judah Smith, uh, you know. And, and the whole front row, I was just like, <gasps> and he's like, I know where you live. I don't remember what I said, but I didn't get fired, so it was good. All right, yeah. But the big takeaway for me was, the Holy Spirit said, I know you're back there by the missionaries. I know where you're at. Stop striving. Stop striving. Stay tuned into the Holy Spirit. When you have a message, I'll move you forward. When you have it, stop striving, but stay faithful. That word I would speak over you is stay faithful, stay faithful, stay loyal, stay tuned into the spirit. Be ready for the moment, whether it comes fast or slow. Don't strive. But then when it comes, seize that opportunity that the Holy Spirit puts there. Seize it and grab it with all your might. You'll kill giants. You'll walk through doors you never thought you'd walk through. You'll have opportunities. And I pray you would not be a striver 
in Jesus' name. So I want you to put your hands out in front of you as just symbolic of, just like you're gonna catch something, okay? Because if you're gonna grab something, you, you'd have your hands like overhand. I want you to just be like, you're gonna, you're gonna let it land on you. You're gonna let it land on you. And I want you to receive this, that you're gonna just let the blessings of God just land on you. You're gonna let them get into your hands. You are not gonna strive for them. You are gonna let them land on you. So Lord, I just pray right now, that you would help every one of these students, every one of these ministers, every one of these moms and dads and, and friends that are here at the school right now. Let them just seize what is placed into their hands. Forgive us, Lord, for our ambition. We see it in the Bible with the disciples. We see it with, with Ahamaz. We see it with other people. We just, when we get even a glimpse of the dream you placed into our heart, it excites us. And instead of wanting to stay faithful, it seems like we want to get famous. And I pray instead of wanting to get famous, instead of wanting to get known, we'd want to be faithful. And we just want to stay put until you put it right in our lap and you put it right on us and you say, now grab it. I pray that these men and women would be some of the best helpers, the best servants, the most faithful people that when their opportunity arises for them to step into the next level, people say, that's obvious. They've been so faithful. They've been so loyal. They've been so good. They've not pushed their way forward. We've actually had to accelerate them forward. And I thank you, God, for that. It reminds me what Proverbs says, let another man praise you and not yourself. I just pray that we'd be willing to realize that others will lift us forward you will lift us forward. You will place the opportunities in our hands. So we don't want to be strivers. We want to seize what you place there. And again, may we do it for your glory and for your honor. Our moment is short. Your moment is forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. 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 We believe in you. God bless.
going to the house. We're going to the house. Yeah. 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 Yeah.